talking about heart, Philip's heart is the title of our lesson today. And we have talked about this in previous years, uh, I believe, but I want us to go back and revisit this and, and think about the heart that Philip had to have. Acts chapter 8 focuses on Philip. Philip is the same disciple that we read about and study about back in Acts chapter 6 and uh, verse 5. He was one of the seven that was appointed there to be a deacon, uh, as some will say, uh, and to serve in the Lord's church um, in Jerusalem there when we had the uh, situation of the widows being uh, not administered to as, as what they should be which those widows were of the Hellenistic Jews and those who were not considered to be uh, worthy, if you will. And there was a problem with that. And the apostle said there, says, we cannot leave preaching the word to serve tables. So we see that they chose seven men and Philip was one of those men to be a deacon in the Jerusalem church, Acts chapter 6 and verse 6. But he also had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses that we read about in Acts chapter 21 and verse 9. But today, I want us to look in Acts chapter 8 and verses 1 through 8, but mainly 1 through 3 in the very beginning here. During a time of tense persecution in the Lord's church, as we read about in verses 1 through 3, we see that God uses Philip to do some amazing things. He uses Philip to do some amazing things for his glory, for the glory of God. And Philip, to be able to do those things, had to possess a heart that truly pleased the Lord. In this Scripture and in this text today, we see and we learn some critical things about his heart. Things that I believe that we need to do in a self-examination of ourselves and say, do I have this type of heart? Am I doing things for the glory of God? The activities that I engage myself in on a daily basis, how much time or how many activities do you and I use for the glory of God? I want you to think seriously about that. I believe this is a fair question to each and every one of us, including myself. How many activities... How many minutes or hours, we could say, are we using things in our daily lives to bring glory to God? Now, only you can answer that question truthfully. Only can I answer it truthfully for myself. Now, your family members may be able to examine from an outside source looking in to say, well, they do a lot or they don't do any. And especially, I can tell you this, our children are looking at us, our grandchildren are looking, and they're saying, well, Papa or Grandma, Grandpa, whatever they call you, they're really serious about this God thing. 
You know, your grandchildren or your children are making a judgment call about you as a parent. What do they see you as? Do they see you as that person that God fills their lives and that you have a heart that is pleasing to God? You see, the first thought this morning that I want us to think about is that Philip's heart possessed a love for all people. Now I ask you that self, that question seriously this morning. Do we have a love for all people? And when, and when I say all, I mean all. Now I didn't say, did you like everybody? Because there's a difference, isn't it? We don't like everybody and the things that they do. We've always made the statement, don't hate the person, hate the sin. But do we have a love for all people? Remember I told you that they were in under intense persecution here. And despite of being forced from their homes in Jerusalem, the Christians continued evangelism. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, it says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went where? Everywhere preaching Christ unto them. Now, we're in a series on Wednesday night about being a servant and being the right kind of servant and having the servant's heart and, and performing servant duties in your life and in mine. But despite being forced from Jerusalem, from the serious, intense persecution, they continued to preach. They were scattered, but they continued to spread the gospel. And as you read on in that text, you see that Philip went down from Jerusalem to Samaria. And there in verse 5, that he proclaimed Christ. And you know what? This was not... A popular thing to do. It was not a popular thing for a Jew to do. Let me say it that way. If you remember all the history about the Jews, they had went into um, Assyrian captivity and the northern kingdom and all this, and, and some had left and went back home, but some chose to stay and were stayed in that uh, city and in, in, in with those people. And it began, they began to have marriages and, and they, they stayed together and then children came and then it created a, a breed of people who were not full-blooded Jews, if you would say. And we know them today and as back in the biblical times as the Samaritans, the Gentiles, if you will. But we find that Philip went down from Jerusalem to Samaria and he proclaimed Christ to a people that a Jew should not even want to be around. And they considered these people, the Samaritans, as low as dogs and lower. So it was not a popular thing for Philip to do or a Jew to do. Now if you remember in John chapter 4 and verse 9, our Lord spoke to a woman at the well. You remember that conversation well, don't you? John chapter 4 and verse 9, where he says to her there, uh, for he says, uh, therefore a woman comes to Mary in verse 7 to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. 
For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat or food. Now notice what she says in verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the, Samarian, the Samaritans. Of course, our Lord responds to her, doesn't he? And they have this long discourse. And he ends up saying that, that you worship God as a spirit. It must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. But see, most Jews had a racist attitude toward the Samaritans. And you see, this was a big deal for our Lord to even speak to her, to even ask to drink of her. And even just being a woman during this time. You see, the charges of racism and prejudice were at the core of the problem. As I mentioned a moment ago in Acts 6 and verse 1, with those widows that were not being a minister to. But notice what Philip does here. He took the initiative to preach God's word to the Samaritans because he knew Christ loved and died for them. You look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6. It says there, Who gave himself a ransom for all of mankind. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. That God is not slack. As some men count slackness. But he says that he was long-suffering. And he did not want anyone to perish. He wants all men to come to repentance and not perish. Of course, we're all very familiar with John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God what? So love the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. You see, God sent his son to die for all people. And Philip knew that. He took the initiative to go to Samaritans. And like God, Philip was no respecter of persons. We read in Acts chapter 10 and verses 34 and 35, we read of that very same thought, don't we? Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and of a truth... Um, of truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with accept or acceptable to him. No respecter of persons. He would even share the gospel with a sorcerer, if you remember. Acts 8, also an Ethiopian eunuch. Think about the heart that Philip had. A heart that loved all people. Let me ask you this morning, do you love all people? Again, I ain't asking, did you like all people? Because I have a trouble sometimes liking people. My wife and I were having a conversation the other day about some things going on this last week. And she made this statement. She said, I'm tired of our broken world. You know, I am too. But do you know why the world is broken? It's because they don't have Jesus. They don't have the gospel. 
Because notice in our reading this morning and back in, in chapter 8 there, notice that uh, in, in those first few verses, and you get down to, to verse 8, what does it say? And there was great joy in that city. Why was there great joy? It's because they had the gospel. They had Jesus Christ. And we do live in a broken world. We have broken homes. We want to know why our world is broken. It's because our homes are broken. When our homes are not centered around Jesus and God and the Bible, and when I tell you that centered, I mean centered around it, not just sometimes or part of the time or when I need it, our homes are going to be broken. Our homes are going to suffer. And when you take, the, you, you got folks who are, 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 are good people and, and they got a little bit of learning about them in the gospel and, and about Christ and about those things, but then you, gotta, you go to the other end of the spectrum and you have a home where no one knows anything about God or about Christ or the gospel, I had a conversation this last week with an adult. And this is her statement. I have two children who really don't know who and what they want to be yet. We live in a broken world that needs the gospel. Yes, it's great that we send thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to support our missionaries in foreign fields. But you know, we've got a mission field right here. And I ask us the question, what are we doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And I think every one of us could take our fingers today and do this. What am I doing? What am I doing to change the broken world? What am I doing to help people know Jesus? What am I doing to help children know Jesus Christ died for them and that Jesus loves them? Do I have the heart of Philip? Do I love all people? Do I care for all people? And we can say, well, yes, I'll give them a dollar or two here and there. I'll give. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the blood of Christ, the gospel of Christ. Are we giving it to them? And if we're not, we need to be asking ourselves why. You know, it's one thing to sit in our beautiful, doesn't the paint look good? I thought it looked great. It just makes it look more brighter. And we have a beautiful auditorium. But it's one thing to sit in this auditorium and say the world is broken and they're lost and, and, and people need Jesus. But it's another thing that when you and I get up off these seats and we go back in the world, that we strike up conversations with people in the world to teach them about Jesus. I'll tell you, it's high time that we wake out of our sleep and out of our slumber 
and say, we have got to make a difference. Make a difference in your circle. And when your circle is made different and made better, then those circles become bigger circles. And we need to understand that. Secondly, his heart drove him to serve in every circumstance. You know, you go back to people yesterday at the Bible. Well, I don't know if anyone else notices this or not. But right above us, where we were sitting, there was a group of Hispanic people. And they were talking pretty loudly. And it was disturbing some other people around. But I've seen some of our brothers and sisters be pretty rude. Pretty rude. And you know what? As I watched them, the older woman of the group walked up and finally told the, the, the men, it was men, that they were being too loud. And I can remember her as I turned around and looked. When she looked at me and I looked at her and our eyes met, she didn't know whether to smile or she didn't know whether to take me as was I angry. So I chose a smile. Because you know what? The truth known, they probably couldn't understand the announcement of being quiet and go out in the corridor and do your talking. Some brothers and sisters say, well, that's what they get for being in our country and they need to learn how to speak English. They probably hear illegal anyway. Is that the attitude you think Philip might have had about the Samaritans? Probably not. I'm sure it was. But I'm going to tell you what. When I walked out of that auditorium and I began to walk the sideline, or sideline, sidewalk, my wife punched me. She said, look. Here's the whole congregation of Hispanic people. And one was praying to the top of his lungs. And they all were sitting there with their heads bowed. Probably never had heard the gospel till they got here. Probably never had. To me, it was a beautiful sight. When we talk about the Gentiles, and we, we really don't understand the relationship the Gentiles and Jews had. But it's the same one. I tell you, I can bring it home to you. It's the one that uh, has been between the blacks and the whites for years. Even when I was a little boy. But what about the Hispanics? What about the blacks? What about the one who has a criminal background? What about the homosexuals? What about the transgenders? Do you think if Philip was present today that he would preach to them and care about them? Sure he would. Think Jesus would? Sure would. Oh, we need to be trying to reach them. 
some way, somehow. Their souls are lost. Yes, they're messed up people. They're broken. But Jesus can fix them. But Philip's heart drove him to serve in every circumstance. Imagine facing the same level of persecution as the Christians did in Jerusalem in Acts 8, 1 through 3. You go back there and you read that. Paul was consenting unto his death, and all the time there was a great persecution against the church while at Jerusalem, and they all were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And the devout men carried Stephen to his burial, just previous in the chapter 4, they've already killed Stephen. And Saul, which who later became Paul, held the cults of the ones who did it. Imagine facing that. They were being separated from their families and thrown into prisons. Homes ravaged and torn apart. And even though he was forced to flee his home, Philip continued to work for the Lord. When you look in Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. And you go on over into uh, uh, verse 26 and notice what it says. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza or Gaza, which is desert. And amidst all of these problems, he arose and went. And behold, a man of the Ethiopian, and we know the story, he, he baptizes him later on, doesn't he? He could have said, no, I'm too scared. I'm too fearful. He continued to work for the Lord. He continued to preach. And as we find all the way through, Philip is always working for the Lord. Always. And I asked us the question this morning. Are we always working for the Lord? I want you to notice something with me. Philip continued. He went down to Samaria. The angel of the Lord spoke to him. I want you to go with me in your Bibles. And I hope you have them open. I hope you're using your Bibles. But Acts chapter 21, this is a culminating point that I want you to really look at. Acts chapter 21, beginning at verse 7. Philip was always working for the Lord. And as you read in 21, and uh, he's been with Ephesians back in the earlier chapter before that. He's on the ship, Phoenicia, and, and he goes on down. And um, in verse 7, he says, now Luke's talking in a different sense here. He says, and when we, traveling with Paul, had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Phileas and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. Now notice this. And the next day, we were we that were at Paul's or of Paul's company, departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of who? Philip, the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. 
the same Paul and the same Philip back earlier in the history of the church in Acts, Acts and 8. He's a bold. He's staying with the same man that ran him out of Jerusalem. The one who was persecuting. Don't tell me people can't change. Here we have a man who was killing people, who was arresting people, putting them in prison in the whole nine yards. But now we see the one that he very run out of Jerusalem and the Philip the Evangelist. We see him aboding with him. We see him staying with him, doesn't he? Housing him. And he says, and as we were tarried there many days in verse 10, many days. Philip was always busy for the Lord. You see, it's easy to put God's work on the back burner. Hear this. It's easy to put God's work on the back burner by experiencing trials in your life and even in mine. Philip teaches us no matter what our difficulties may be or circumstances may be, we need to keep using our spiritual talents to serve our Lord. You see, the Apostle Paul was also determined to continue serving the Lord while experiencing hardships. When you read Philippians chapter 1 and verses 12 through 14, this morning, what about your trials? You have health trials? You have financial trials? You have work trials? Do you have family trials? Do you have the, the loss of a family member to death trial? Let me tell you this morning, it's easy to do nothing. It's easy. In all of those situations, it's easy to just do nothing. Those who have ungodly Spouses, those who are not Christians, keep the model of faith in front of them. Keep being, keep being faithful. Don't let them discourage you. Keep coming to church. Keep learning. Keep studying. Keep praying. No matter what your trial is. Last, Philip had, his heart was void of an ego. After baptizing many Samaritans, Philip would hand over his work to Peter and John. These two apostles would continue equipping these new Christians to service of God. Acts 8 and verses 14 through 17. Notice that the focus here, he spends the first 10 verses of Acts 8 describing what was going on. And then he talks about the, the, how he goes to Samaria. Now, the focus shifts from Philip to the apostles. You see, Philip didn't have the power to impart uh, the miracle, the miraculous gifts and those things. So what does it say there? Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaritan had received the word of God, what did they do? They sent Peter and John, didn't they? 
Send them down there to them. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that had not received the Holy Ghost, for as yet they were fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands upon them, they received the Holy Ghost. You see, Philip never displayed any resentment or jealousy toward the apostles. He was content with glorifying God and doing the work for God. He didn't come up with ideas. He says, well, I, I'm the one who came down here and taught them all, and, and I'm the one who baptized them all, and I, 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 need deserve, I deserve some attention here. I deserve my, my, some, some merits here. He didn't do that. He didn't have ego in his heart. He quietly gave it over. He quietly gave it over. You see, there's no room for ego among God's people. Pride, jealousy, and a spirit of competition can become tools for Satan to use to divide and conquer us right here at McCoinsville. He can do that. And he uses those things. He uses those things that to, to, for us to say things and, and to do things to, to each other. Oh, he loves when two Christians in a, in a brotherhood or two Christians in the Lord's church, he loves that when, when, he gets, when he gets people, someone jealous or he gets someone whatever. He loves that. He's used it on me before. He didn't have no ego. Philip didn't. Like Philip, we must always focus on pleasing God and glorifying Him with whatever service we render. You know, is it possible that we can become too full of ourselves in Christianity? Yes, it is. We can, we can come too full of ourselves and we can look down our noses at other people. And I'm going to tell you what, they always, always said this, you don't know what other people are going through until you walk through that time and in their shoes with them. There was no ego. And I will tell you, the devil, Satan, will conquer us. He will divide us using just those simple things. Philip didn't have that. Sometimes people get in the always wanting someone to pat them on the back. Boy, I appreciate you. That's why we are so scared when we make announcements sometimes. <laughs> I don't want to leave somebody out. I don't want to leave nobody. That's why we have to make statements. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to name names because I'm afraid I'll leave somebody out. You know why? Because somebody out is going to get mad. They didn't give me credit for what I did. You said there's no room for that in the Lord's church. No room at all. That's why we have to make those statements. That's why we have to put in the bulletin, we're sorry if we left someone out that was sick. Oh, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't mention my 21st cousin that's been sick. They didn't mention my Aunt Jubilee. They didn't miss my Uncle Dave. 
Our egos will get a hold of us and conquer us. And Satan uses it as a tool every day. Philip didn't have it. He loved all people. He served the Lord in every circumstance. And his heart was free of ego and pride and jealousy. Those things will eat you alive. Let us all strive to have that heart like Philip. But let me tell you something this morning as we close. That type of heart begins with you becoming a Christian. That type of heart begins with you becoming a Christian. Today, if you're, not, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you can't develop that type of heart without becoming a Christian and being washed in the blood of Christ, baptized for the remission of your sins, buried with Him in baptism, to rise to walk a newness of life. You see, you can't do it. Now, what people say, is there there's such thing as, as just one baptism? Yes, sir. If you are not baptized in the blood of Christ for the remission of your sins in the right way, into the right church, you're lost. It's that simple. It's that simple. People say, well, I was baptized down, and I even went over and got baptized in Jerusalem. I won't tell you, or in the Jordan. Some people say, they think that's water special over there, I guess. But I'm going to tell you what, if you wasn't baptized the right way, you're lost. If you are not baptized into the church, the body of Christ, you don't join the church. You don't join the church. You don't say, oh, we're going to vote on you. Let us know if you want to be here and be a part of our congregation. We'll vote on you. We don't go voting on you. Christ already voted on you when he died on the cross. And he sealed you and gave you remission of your sins through your obedience and through faith. Romans 10 and verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. You want to know how to be saved? You want to know how to fix our broken world? You want to know how to fix your broken home? Your broken life? Come to Christ. The blood of Christ. That's what it boils down to. The blood of Christ. This morning, if you're not a member of the Lord's church, let us help you. If you're an ailing and you are out of the fold and you have sinned in some way that has separated you from God and Christ and the Lord's church, please come. Be with us. Help us. Let us help you. Let us pray for you and with you. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.